Chapter 4. More Than One Way to Use an Oxygen Tank Adam kicked around, panicking as the water enveloped him. This wasn't a safe practice at the city pool. This was the real thing. He opened his eyes, breathing quickly. All he could see was endless blue, changing from light to dark with the sunlight above dancing on the surface in wavy white rays as he sank further down. His chest felt tight, and he started to gasp for breath in short, fitful bursts. His mom caught his eye and squeezed his hand as they descended together. Looking at her as she nodded encouragement to him, he remembered how to breathe with the mask and tank. Together, they kicked their flippered feet, treading water. They faced each other, mask to mask, with locked eyes, until he calmed down. Dina reached into her dive bag and handed him the underwater camera, pointing in the direction everyone else in their group swam. The crowd of bodies moving in slow motion spread out, heading to the same reef. He felt ridiculous and a little ashamed when he saw Clancy swim past so gracefully, holding her mom's hand with Dr. Pitt swimming close behind. He gave a few test kicks and adjusted his weights, spinning around so he could take it all in. This was undeniably the coolest thing he'd ever done. He took a test shot with the camera and shook his head when Dina pointed again toward the others. She grabbed his hand and tugged gently so he grudgingly swam towards the others, knowing what he wanted to find would probably stay away from people. He kicked around again, enjoying how weightless he felt as he spiraled through the water like a football whizzing through the air. Dina adjusted her weights to sink as she neared the Malabar hole, and Adam followed. The seafloor as they swam looked like an endless expanse of white sand, dancing to and fro with the motion of the water. A few brightly colored tropical fish darted around them, and the vivid coral reef with its branches stretched before them. As he reached the edge of the hole, he almost couldn't catch his breath. He'd never imagined something so big and so spectacular. The images they found online would never come close to capturing its size, or showing the vibrant shades of blue and aqua green suddenly shifting from light to midnight blue, and the dozens of different schools with thousands of fish suddenly surrounding him as he sank to the edge. All he could do was take picture after picture, trying not to smile so he wouldn't lose the oxygen adapter that made it so he could breathe underwater. Dina reached into his hand and took the camera, and he saw the same glow in her eyes. This was the coolest thing she'd ever done, too. She snapped a quick selfie of the two of them before kicking ahead to take a picture of herself in the middle of a school of white and blue angelfish. She twirled around among the black, white, and blue striped fish with dotted fins and huge, sparkly black eyes. Adam found himself swimming next to a handful of tiny orange clownfish. They darted away a moment later when butterflyfish with vivid yellow fins zipped in to chase them. A giant sea turtle swam lazily overhead. Below, where the hole went far too deep for anyone to dive, a manta ray with its steely barbed tail spiraled down, vanishing into the darkness beneath. Most of the group kicked up to get pictures with the turtle. Dina tugged at him again and pushed up to join the others. Adam lagged behind, not wanting to leave the entrance to the Malabar hole. He knew he couldn't explore all the crevices lining the rocky wall by himself, and he wasn't supposed to dive as deep as he wanted to. He reached into his bag to grab the slate. He wanted to write his mom a note to tell her he wanted to dive down into the hole. He rummaged about, trying to find the pencil that was supposed to be clipped to the special little tablet that looked just like a whiteboard, when something else caught his attention. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a blurry stream of bubbles shoot past him. 
He turned to see what it was, excited. Maybe he'd found that green-eyed creature that jumped up near the boat. The green eye, he remembered, glowed white in the water, looking fierce and angry. He lurched back in surprise. It exploded past him, making eye contact and shaking its head furiously, with the three black sea urchins in pursuit. He still couldn't figure out what it was. He could only see bubbles, that beaming flashing eye flashing, and a tangle of blue seaweed. He paddled hard and followed, swimming away from the hole, working furiously to catch up. He didn't know what he could do. He only knew if he could help the creature with the green eyes, he would. Adam was a pretty solid member of the swim team, but with weights and air tanks, and being new to scuba diving, it didn't take him long to figure out he'd never catch up. He stared longingly at the trail of bubbles, and then he turned back, breathing hard. His lungs burned. Treading water, he felt frustrated until two black dragonfish slithered up to circle him. White lights gleamed in the length of their long, snake-like bodies and glowed from the tip of a long, sharp barb dangling from oversized heads. Their wicked smiles revealed razor-sharp teeth. They grinned wickedly and bared those long teeth as they swam around him. They lunged, offering a warning snap before swimming away. When his heart stopped pounding, he turned and spun. Kicking furiously, he realized he was all alone and had no idea what direction he'd come from. The white sand below and the sun shining bright and white above him through the water offered no hints. He couldn't see the bottom of the boat, the coral, or the hole. How far did he swim? He saw nothing beyond swaying sand and scattered rock. Adam took a deep breath and reached for his dive bag. It would have the emergency whistle and a red flag he could hold up so the boat could find him when they realized he was lost. All he had to do was adjust his weights, float up, and wait for help on the surface— but the dive bag was gone. Had he dropped it while looking for his slate pencil? His heart pounded with worry as he tried to decide what to do. What had they told him in dive training? His head throbbed and his cheeks grew hot. He couldn't remember anything. A few more sea urchins shot past him, and the bubbly blur flew past again. Adam fought the urge to follow. After all, trying to find it and help was what got him in this mess. The sea urchins resting in the niches in the rock below him suddenly burst past toward all the action. The white blur stopped and thrashed before him, surrounded by sea urchins that normally lay motionless in the rock. In a split second, he realized that this creature before him was no ordinary sea creature, and the spiky black sea urchins were shooting hooked black spikes at it. Adam tried to kick back and swim away from their battle, but the dragonfish returned. Slithering, their white lights glowing, they slid past him and grasped the matted clump of seaweed surrounding the creature. Beneath it, Adam saw the unmistakable face of a horse, its long nose snorting. It stomped and pawed at the water, lurching and thrashing as the sea urchins closed in. Spikes shot into its side, and the creature kicked its hind legs angrily. The dragonfish lunged at it, each digging sharp pointed teeth into a leg. Adam swam back treading water as he watched. He felt helpless. He was pretty sure, from all the mythology books he read, that the creature being attacked was a sea kelpie. The sea urchins closed in on it, shooting barbs at it repeatedly. It grew weaker and weaker with each shot. He had to help it. Taking a deep breath, he jerked the oxygen regulator from his mouth and aimed carefully into the center of the sea urchins. The blast of air sent them scrambling in confusion, and they backed away from the Kelpie. 
The black dragonfish released their grip and turned to Adam, the white lights on their backs turning red. The spikes dangling from their long, scaly beards burned orange and white, as if heating up. He had a feeling they were about to shoot those fiery barbs at him. He sucked a quick breath from the regulator, and then aimed the air right in their faces as they shot at him. The hot barbs blew back and hit them, and they swam away angrily, lashing their tails as they disappeared. Adam turned his attention back to the Kelpie. The sea urchins recovered from their initial surprise and surrounded it again. The Kelpie's fight was back, but dozens of long black spikes stuck out from his flank, and he was getting weaker. Adam swam in their midst and shot more air at them. He kept sneaking breaths when he could, until a long black spike shot into the hose, ripping a hole in it. Adam had a major air leak. He thought as fast as he could. If he could keep that hole covered up, he would have enough air to kick back to the top. Maybe someone noticed by now that he was gone, and they'd be searching the surface for him. He looked up. He hadn't noticed how far down they drifted as they fought, and the surface seemed miles away. He could only see a small white circle of light overhead where the sun should be. More urchins turned on him, sending hooked barbs his way. A few pierced his wetsuit and embedded in his skin. He winced in pain. Another spike shot completely through his hose. His lack of oxygen squeezed his head and chest, and he started to black out. His thoughts drifted to his mom. He dropped the useless regulator. Adam drifted slowly toward the seafloor as his world faded to black.